Well, I have good news and I have good news for you this morning. Which one you want first? Well, the first bit of good news is I believe God's given me a message that's going to demonstrate to you that no matter how many times you fail, you can always come back. The other good news is I'm going to do it in 22 minutes or less. Father, we invite your presence, we invite your power, we invite you to come and to speak through your word. We're people who are living in this world, and we want you, Lord, and we want to experience you, we want to know you, we want to do more than believe in you, we want to be wasted by you. We want you to take hold of our lives and expend all the value of it any way you want, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been working our way through this series called Armed and Dangerous, in which we've been looking into the life of the Apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, and uh, the development of his life from a fisherman to a powerful agent of God. And our, our, our thought is, is that if it happens to Peter, it should happen to us, right? That the Bible's given to us for a reason, as a model for our lives. And so we've been working our way through these various various uh, steps in Peter's life in hopes of seeing ourselves and the transformative power of Jesus Christ in our own life in the same way. And uh, now this morning we're up to John chapter 21 verses 15 and following. And in this passage here, well I'll just read it for you. There's this inexplicable reinstatement that happens. This inexplicable reinstatement of Peter after a colossal failure. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. And when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And when Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You know, the bigger picture of this exchange is so important because Peter, not that long ago, was told that he was going to be the rock upon which Jesus would build his church, right? You remember that? That was a big day. Peter walked on water. All these things have been happening, and then things began to fall apart. So the Lord The Lord gave up his life, and in the context of the mayhem of the disciples afterwards, the persecution, Peter openly denied ever even knowing Jesus. Three times he said, I don't know him. 
The third time he cursed. Plug your ears. Can't handle this. But the Bible says, effectively, he says, Damn it! I don't know him! That's a pretty big denial, eh? And then Jesus rose from the dead, and some stuff happened. Look. Look what happened before this. And imagine Peter in the context of this. He rose from the dead and in chapter 20, verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, this is the first Easter, the disciples were together, and Jesus showed up, the risen Jesus, and said, peace be with you. Can you imagine Peter? Peter's like way in the back of the crowd, right? What's he feeling like? And the whole exchange passes, and he must have went, man, I'm glad he didn't talk to me. And then if you look, you keep reading, Thomas, the disciple, wasn't there. And so a week later, Jesus comes back to the locked room where the disciples were to show himself to Thomas. Can you imagine Peter? Oh, in the back of the crowd. He doesn't talk to me. And he doesn't. And then he goes away. Well, by now there's stuff going on in Peter, right? And So a little while after that, they're out fishing, doing what fishermen do, right? And um, Jesus comes along and says, hey, haven't you guys caught any fish? And Jesus says, or they say, no, we've been fishing all night, haven't caught anything. And he says, well, then throw throw out your nets on the right side of the boat. They do that, and they haul in this big load of fish. Peter says, whoa, it's got to be the Lord, and he runs toward him. He can't stand it any longer. He's been out too long. He runs toward him, and Jesus does nothing. He cooks up some fish with the boys. He eats fish with them. Jesus is just waiting, right? I mean, Peter's just waiting. He's just waiting for something to happen. And then, after he's eaten with them, he says, Simon, not Peter, the old name. Not Peter, Simon. I mean, he's like saying, who do you want to be? Do you want to be Simon or do you want to be Peter? Do you want to be the old you or do you want to be the new you? Simon, son of John. Do you love me? Three times this happens. Do you love me? What, what do you even mean, right? What, do you even, what, do you, what does God even mean when he asks you, do you love me? What does that even mean to love God? This would have just been so mind-blowing for Peter. Do you love me? Because, of course I love you. Three times. What does that even mean? I think the takeaways from this are, are two, really. The first one is that if you want to be truly transformed, then you have to keep coming back, no matter what. Do you want to be transformed? Yes or no? Do you want to get caught up in this process of that Peter was in and be transformed from who you are into what God wants you to be? Do you have a thought about your life that you could be used as a powerful agent of the kingdom of God by his plan, by his power? Yes or no? Then you want to be caught up in this transformation, and part of the transformation is a commitment to keep coming back. Peter just kept coming back. Colossal failure coming back you got to just keep coming back. 
You can't accept the defeat that the enemy wants to visit on you. You got to be like one of those. Remember when you were a kid, those punching clowns, right? Remember, and you punch them, right? And they come back up. You know what I mean, right? You punch them, and they come back up. I think that's really a model of what it means to be a believer and be part of the transformation process. You just keep coming back, down, not for long, up, failure, back. Yeah? you got to just keep coming back. How many times do you get to fail? <laughs> There's no limit. you got to just keep coming back. Look at how this thing moves on. So Peter is reinstated, right? Three times, this poignant exchange, this powerful exchange. And what is the first thing that Peter does? Does he say, thanks so much for letting me back in. I'm going to feed your lambs. The conversation finishes with Peter saying, pointing to another disciple and go, what about him? <laughs> right? I mean, his, his first act as a reinstated disciple was to fail. What about him? What about John? I don't know what he was thinking. Did John, was, had John been up to something that he thought Jesus should know about? What about him? An immediate blunder. You just got to keep coming back. The transformation comes as you come back. Some of you are out and you're not coming back. You're saying, I've used up my ticket. I can't come back. The transformation happens as you keep coming back. The second takeaway from this is if you want to become truly armed and dangerous, then you have to love God. you got to love God. I mean, the whole concept of this is Jesus saying, do you love me? Do you love me? So the, the centerpiece of ministry is loving God, is expressing our love to him. Because as we, the Bible says that that we love God because he, does anybody know this? First loved us. So that as we live in an encounter with God of love, then we are empowered to love. That's where the love comes from. And this is our dangerous weapon, unconditional love. This is our dangerous weapon. Is just letting God love the world through us. It's Satan's kryptonite. I mean, how many of you have gone toe-to-toe with the devil with, I rebuke you and all that stuff, and you went down? Anybody except me? Right? You know what he can't stand? Is love. He cannot stand it. Is love. And by love, I don't mean we're, we become enabling back rubbers. Sometimes love's tough, right? Jesus was tough. But it's still love. It's still love. Being armed with love by loving God is counterintuitive, especially to us guys, right? Because we're inclined to go, oh, I'm going to man up, I'm going to follow God. And the Bible says you do that by loving God. I don't even know what that means. 
I remember when I was a new Christian in the little country church in Michigan, and, and uh, they, they, what would happen in this little church that Karen grew up in was they would call on somebody to pray, and you know, kind of in the middle of it, and they'd kind of look around, and everybody was like staring at the floor because they didn't want to make eye contact, right? And often they would say they'd ask Dale Cooper to pray. And whenever Dale Cooper prayed, the whole church creaked. Because everybody was standing up, and as any Dale prayed for so long that everybody leaned on the pew in front of him, right? And the whole church, am I right, Karen? The whole church just creaked when they called on Dale. But he would pray these amazing prayers where he seemed so familiar with God, and then he would say this crazy thing. He would say something like, and God, we love you. And as somebody who didn't grow up in the church, I was just, I was so foreign to me. For two reasons. One, I was only there because I didn't want to go to hell. That's the only reason I accepted Jesus is because I didn't want to die and go to hell. Anybody? Hello? Who wants to go to hell after this? Nobody, okay, except Jesus. I'm in. Right? So it was like I thought God was just super mad, but this Jesus fellow was kind of a shrewd lawyer. He found out this loophole to get me in. And so that's why I went to church. I had to keep that current, right? But the, so loving God, but it didn't even make sense because he's mad. But the other reason I couldn't figure out any way to love God is because I'm a dude and he's a dude. And I am a flagrant heterosexual. There was no way I'm saying that to a dude even with the capital D dude, Right? I had no way to understand what it meant to love God until I encountered his love for me. It's a kind of a love. It's a love we have for God. And brothers, it's a dude love. It's a dude love. Some of you people have been in the military. Some of you have been in combat. Gunny, you know I'm sure about the love between brothers in a combat unit, right? That's love. That's dude love, right? It's not sensual, is it? It's dude love. It's solid. Some soldiers develop a love for their commander. Oh, they hate him, but they love him, right? And they follow him because they love him. That's what I'm talking about, brothers. It's a dude love. And when you love God like that, you follow him. So I'm married to a Christmas junkie, right? It's like Christmas 12 months a year. I mean, I come home and she's watching Christmas Vacation or something. You know, I mean, some really enriching. And here, here's a scene from one of her favorites right here.
Yeah. That was weak. <laughs> 11 o'clock service, they're not seeing that. <laughs> because we love him. That's why we follow him. This became the theme song of our family. Because I would come home and say, the Lord's calling us to go to Ohio. We'll follow the old man wherever he wants to go. <laughs> because we love You love him and you follow do you love God? Do you need to come back? Does anybody need to come back today? Does anybody need to come back? Does anybody need one of those other times of just coming back? I need to come back. I grievously sinned this week. I need to confess it to you. I need to come back. I didn't get on a porn site. I didn't go to a bar and get drunk. Never been to a strip club. I almost wish that what I had to confess was something like that because it seems like it'd be easier, but it's worse. So it's such a privilege to be a pastor, be able to live my life with God. And so all week long, it's my privilege to live in this passage, right? Do you love me? I love you. I love you. And from that all week, it's just been a week of love. Our home group came Wednesday night, and it was awesome. We have two couples that are pregnant, seriously pregnant. And, uh, and we were actually, we were talking about what it means to be born again, because, you know, babies and stuff, you know, it's cool and it's great. And, and then we were going to pray for this one couple, because they were pregnant, and then they were about to have a baby. And we, you know, just so much love in that group, so that's what we were doing that night. Well, while we were kind of in process, the other pregnant woman, disappear, woman disappears. And somebody says, where's Stacy? Here's what I said. Leave her alone. She's in the bathroom having a baby. She comes out of the bathroom and she goes, her first kid, my water broke. (laughs) Oh my gosh, 20 people were like this big Greek family. Hey, hey, get the car. Somebody get some towels. Where's the diaper? Like we had a stake in this, you know? (laughs) Her poor husband Bruce is like, oh, okay. (laughs) Wonderful baby. Yay. A lot of love. I love my group. Thursday morning at our 615 intercessory prayer meeting, it was just unusually joyful and loving. I loved that group. Friday night, our under 30 home group came, and we had a bonfire out on the farm. We did some crazy hayrides and stuff, and I just loved them. All weekend, Aaron and Taylor have been staying with us in our home, and that's such a privilege. And I just love you guys. So that's how the week was going, and then this morning. Why do I always have to be the bad object lesson? 
This morning I got here about 5.30, do my prayer thing, and I got here and there was a car parked under one of the basketball hoops. I'm very protective of this place. I pray hard and I fight hard for your safety here. So whenever I see a strange car, I investigate immediately. It was dark and I pulled up next to the car. I had my high beams on on the side of the car, you know. I don't believe some of the stuff I've seen, you know what I mean. But I've seen enough episodes of cops that you use your lights to your advantage, you know, and pull up there. I saw a person move around, and then a young woman got out of the driver's seat. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. And she got out, and she came to the truck. She crossed the headlights, and she came up to my passenger side door of my truck, and she put her hand on it, and it was locked. And I just put my window down, and here's what I said. I said, what are you doing here? She's quite surprised at the question, and she started stammering. Well, I'm, uh, I and stammered, and she finally said, I'm meeting somebody here. Here was my loving response. I said, that's what I thought. Go meet them somewhere else. I'm so sorry, church. You need to come back. Come on back. 